Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with both of my beautiful, talented co-hosts tonight. Michelle, welcome back. It's nice to have you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And PK, you have joined us. I know everybody's going to be happy to hear the scary things you have to tell them about the numbers tonight. How you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm doing very well. I just found the little horse, but what can you say? It's all the allergies in the air. Oh, so much yes. fun. Yes. Yes, and we're going to ask our guest about how to treat those allergies with mushrooms, which is great. We're going to bring our guest on tonight in a few minutes, Willie Crosby. He is a fungi expert. And he's going to just walk us through all the different varieties, what they're good for. And we're going to talk a little bit about psilocybin and how that can create a whole new state of mental health, which we all need right about now. So (laughs) anyways, we've got so much going on on our Facebook page. Take a look there. I don't know if you remember this, but I will remind you that Romy Bueller from Australia the animal communicator told us that in her communications with Bigfoot, that people were going to start seeing Bigfoot more and more. And sure enough, since she announced that, people have been turning in videos, photographs, talking about personal experiences, more than I've ever seen. So it's really an exciting time. I guess there's going to be some very lucky people that get to meet Bigfoot in person. So that's really exciting. A lot of UFO sightings. I say this every week, but we get reports from lots of our our people out there in the audience. They are seeing them almost nightly. And if you're part of Dr. Stephen Greer's group, then you know he's coming up with a global connection. I believe it's this weekend. So you may want to get onto his page, Dr. Stephen Greer, and join that global effort to make contact. That should be very interesting. And Michelle, what are you up to? I know you've been traveling and doing workshops, so what's coming up for you? Oh my goodness. August is packed with in-person and traveling and all sorts of stuff. Tomorrow morning, I have an online webinar about the basics of medical intuitive. Um, So people can log on and watch that and start being able to tap into their own body and other people's bodies. So that'll be fun. And then I have, um, I'm in, in Phoenix at a Helping Parents Heal conference on August 18th. If you're in the Phoenix area, we will have readings and sound and energy healings on August 28th out at Gold Canyon. 
I've got an online gallery reading at the end of the month. And then I'm headed to Salt Lake City to work the IANS conference and be a presenter and a moderator there. So I'm so excited. Lots of good stuff yes. coming up. That is terrific. And, of course, people can still schedule their individual readings with you, the private readings, if they want, also at michelleclair.net. Yes. Yes. Michelle's readings are phenomenal. I should be a part of your show tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. That's right. You should jump on and get some medical intuition. Yeah. God knows I need some help here, girls. (laughs) That's right. I'll send you all the help I can. (laughs) Well, I, I'm going to insist that you do that. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, no, that's wonderful, honey. I'm really happy to see the things that you're up to right now. A lot of people are oh, going to get you. a lot of information through you. It's very important. And I know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, oh. you have some information to share with us, right? Because August is a very special oh, month. Oh, I do. August of every year is a review of the year past. So shake, rattle, and roll. If you had a great year last year, enjoy August. If you've had a crappy year last year, hang on to the side of your seats because you're going to be going through the bumps and grinds going on with it. It is, on top of everything else, it's a month of major changes, good to bad, bad to good. But there is a luck factor in one respect to it, if you do it slow enough. Everything about the month, people are going to tend to do things in a hurry. Haste makes waste. Just remember that. You just have to be very careful because you're going to see and hear of more accidents taking place, things happening, because it is all about major changes, very quick, very abrupt type changes. But personally, each one will be revisiting what they went through last year. So you get an opportunity to tidy it up, fix it up, or, by God, throw it in a box and shoot it. But you know what I mean? It's just crazy. <laughs> but you have to try to really take and make the best of it. Because there is a luck factor that goes with the month. But it's how you handle it. And unfortunately, if we try to do things too quickly, we're going to end up with egg on our face. Slow it down enough, and it will be fine. But it's all about change, good to bad, bad to good. And everything's going to revolve around speed, doing things in a hurry. That's what we have to be very careful of. You're going to find and be more aware of accidents taking place around you to friends, etc. So slow it down, slow and easy. But everybody's going to want to do it in a hurry. Just think where you were last year, what you were going through, and know that this month we'll be reviewing it. Mm. No, I, I would not make any doctor's appointments or things of that nature because everything is quickly subject to change. Wait and do all that in September. It'll be better oh, for okay. you. You'll get more out of it. That's great to know. So, uh, PK, yeah. I yeah. have a question. Yes. Does numerology, mm-hmm. you know when we talk about like Pluto going or what, something's in retrograde and there's a shadow period, does numerology have a shadow period around it too? No, not to that extent. I consider the shadow periods that we deal with with numbers as the numbers that are not quite as up to par of what we would like to have at a specific mm-hmm. point in time. 
we we tend to try to do things too quickly, or we just assume that things are going to be uh, more low key. It's how we perceive it that's going to have a lot to do with it. But regardless of what our personal things are, we still have to compete with the universe. And Mm -hmm. that's why the month of August is a review of last year, universally and personally. But it does have a luck factor to it. If you handle it properly, you can do really well. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Yes. We want that luck factor, so we're going to follow your advice. Oh yes, take it slow. But do pay it. Do pay attention to your driving. You're going to find people are going to put pedal to the metal, and that's what we have to be because it's all about speed, the quick fix, and we have to kind of hold on to the seat of our pants in the chair if you want to. It'll be much easier in the long run. Okay, well, that's good advice. Thank you so much. So, everybody, make sure you join us on Facebook, follow us there, follow us on Twitter, so that you can keep up with all the stuff that we're reporting on throughout the week, and also talking about our next show, and we will have a discount code for you. Mm -hmm. That's going to be ongoing for a week this week coming up so that we're going to talk about this deal that you're getting from our guest tonight. It is an excellent one. So, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Willie Crosby has been exploring the fungal kingdom for the last decade. Now, he started Fungi Ally, I want to say. I want to say Ally, but it's not. It's Ally, a mushroom cultivation and education business back in 2012. Now, from 2012 to 2018, Willie grew 500 pounds of gourmet mushrooms per week, gaining extensive knowledge in the field of commercial mushroom production. Willie has completed 12 different research and education grants associated with mushrooms. He currently focuses on teaching people how to align with this amazing kingdom, and it is amazing. Through Fungi Ally, Ally, yes, I think I said it right, (laughs) Willie offers mushroom grow kits, spawn, and extracts, that he hopes will improve people's lives the way mushrooms have changed his life. So, Willie, welcome to the show. Patricia, thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm really excited to be here. and um, I already feel a, a like softening in my body uh, listening to the, the advice for August and of, uh, embracing a little bit of, of slowing down in these uh, very active summer months. Yes. Is there a mushroom for that that we can take that will help <laughs> us slow down? <laughs> I, I mean, I think a lot of the a lot of the mushrooms will really help with general regulation. You know, so a lot of times when I'm experiencing uh, that speed, there's kind of like there's so many. Thing, so many uh, stimuli coming in that everything just starts like going into hyperactive. And a lot of the medicinal mushrooms are uh, modulators. You know, they help to uh, kind of slow down a, a superactive system and to kind of speed up a really slow system. So um, I'd say a lot of the medicinal mushrooms would be great for that. And then 
you know, I'm a big believer in, in meditation and yoga and just keeping your body, uh, taking the time to listen to your body. Um, so those mm-hmm. practices always are extremely helpful uh, as well. Yes. And you, they, they you, really nailed, you, nailed the, uh, you nailed the fungi ally. You know, I didn't re- realize how many people would kind of think, <clears throat> just think magic mushrooms, oh, a, a back alley, fungi alley. Um, right. But it's like a friend. <laughs> it's like friends, you know. <laughs> right. They're your allies. Yes. Well, and it's a, can you talk to us a little bit about what scientists have discovered in the way mushrooms communicate? Because now we're hearing that mushrooms can do so much more than we ever, ever knew. Not only healing our physical and mental states, but also uh, cleaning up the planet getting rid of, of garbage and plastics and things like that. I mean, there's so many things that mushrooms can do. So can you share some of that information? Yeah, yeah, I, I would happily. And there's, you know, so much across so many different uh, areas at this point. You know, when I was in uh, school, we, we didn't really study fungi at all. You know, it was kind of like maybe lumped into the plants, but... Uh, it's this this whole kingdom that there had so much to offer and is really unique in the way that it interacts in the world. Um, so the the general idea of a mycelial network in the forest has really evolved over the last two decades, and researchers now understand it as a very interconnected um, uh, ecosystem. And, and the idea of just one single tree and one single tree and one single tree just doesn't exist anymore because of these um, mycelial networks. So there are uh, mycorrhizal fungi, and these are fungi that create a um, relationship with a living plant. Right, And about 80, 85% of all plants have fungi uh, attached to their root system, and wow. what these fungi do, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's like most plants that we see have fungi attached to them, and and they're helping mm-hmm. them um, access water and nutrients, and they're also helping communication happen. Um, so some people like to refer to it as the wood wide web. Right, it's, it's kind of this information. <laughs> Interesting concept. It's this, yeah, yeah. It's this information and resource network that um, helps to, you know, share nutrients between plants, send signals, say that hey, there's a um, a insect or a parasite coming, and get your defenses up. Um, and there's even been research when a, a tree is dying it will send its nutrients to its offspring through these mycelial hmm. networks. That's incredible. Interesting. Yeah, so this so is a very high one. level of, of communication, right? Willie, this is a high level of communication. I mean, this is a, a worldwide community. I mean, yes, they're communicating within the forest they live in, but it seems like this goes way beyond what our initial understanding of mushrooms ever was that they have this high level of communication. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and can be massive. You know, the the largest organism in the world is a mycelial network that's over two thousand acres large. Right, so oh this is goodness. a single organism that continues wow. to grow continuously for two thousand acres, and is sharing information and resources throughout that whole network. That's incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. Now. What happens so when we ingest these mushrooms? So there's many different ways to do that, whether it's powder, extract, or eating them after we cook them. I mean, there's so many different ways to take them into our system. But some powerful changes are happening when we do, right? Can you give us some examples yeah, of mushrooms yeah. that are doing yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll start with kind of how you can consume mushrooms in the different ways that, that people are doing that. Um, the, the biggest thing is that one of the um, deciding factors for an organism to be in the fungal kingdom is that its cell walls are made of a compound called chitin. And chitin is, is essentially it's like what insect and lobster shells are made out of. It's a very rigid material that we can't really digest. So mushrooms, raw, aren't very digestible for us. There's some compounds, you know, like uh, psilocybin and uh, some other compounds that, that we can access even if they are raw. But most of the nutritional and medicinal benefits um, are locked up in this chitin. So, and for me, when I learned this, I was kind of relieved because I never liked, like, raw mushrooms at a salad bar or something. And I was kind of like, these are weird. It's like cardboard. Um, so you really need to, to cook your mushrooms and break that chitin down. Um, and and the primary compound that has been studied for medicinal mushrooms are beta-glucan. And these are uh, water-soluble molecules. So just cooking the mushrooms... Um, allows allows those chemicals to be released, breaks the chitin down, and gives a little bit of like a water extraction, right? Because mushrooms are like 80% water. Um, so just cooking them is great. We're accessing a lot of medicinal benefits just by cooking and eating mushrooms. That's kind of the first way that I really recommend people consuming mushrooms, and it's great to kind of minimize, you know, your meat intake and um and then the next way is in tea or or a powder that's been hot water extracted and this is going to give you a, a huge amount of the beta glucan um that you want to be consuming um and with the powder it's really easy to to consume right you can just put it in a smoothie or throw it in a glass of coffee or tea or um you know any any way you'd like it now, the last way that extraction is happening right now is through a water and alcohol extraction. And some of the mushrooms like reishi and chaga um, have different acids that are only alcohol-soluble. So when you're dealing with those mushrooms, it's, it's best to get a kind of whole... whole, um, whole like aspect of what the mushroom has to offer to do both the the alcohol and water extract. 
Now, how long does that take? I mean, if you're trying to turn something into an extract, you're talking about keeping it in that solution for how long before it's viable? Mm-hmm. With with hot water, it's like eight to twenty-four hours. It's you know, an overnight oh, is really good. No, no, it's not too long. You know, chaga is one of my favorite mushrooms just to make at home. And I just throw a chunk, like a golf ball size, into my crock pot on low overnight. And that makes Mm -hmm. a great, really, really good tea. And chaga grows exclusively on birch trees. And it actually extracts some of the uh, betulum from the birch trees. So you get this kind of like birchy flavor in the chaga, which is really, really delicious, mixed with Thai spices and is a is a fantastic um, uh, mushroom to consume. Um, now I've heard that really was, that that yeah. some people are selling chaga mushrooms that are kind of old and dead, and they don't really have value. So how do you know? You know, when you go to buy fresh chaga mushrooms, how do you know that that's what you're buying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know. You're, you're pretty much always buying chaga dried, um, and it's, I think, just, you know, calling the, the supplier and knowing the supplier, asking them where they harvested it from. Um, there's small foragers around the northeast in Canada um, that harvest a good amount of chaga and, and get really high-quality products. And then a lot of the kind of world supply of chaga um, comes from uh, Siberia, and that's oh, just there's okay. just such there's yeah there's such extensive birch forest there that it's almost like a limitless supply, um, and of of course we don't want to test that with humans, um, but but there seems to be just a lot a lot of of chaga there, um, so knowing where it's from and, and talking to the person you're getting it from is is the best bet. Now it grows wild here in New England, and so do you, you harvest your own here in New England from the birch trees? Yeah, yeah, I harvest. I harvest here in in Massachusetts. I usually look for it in the winter. Um, there's not really any other mushrooms growing, so it's a fun one to go out for. And uh, I like to follow streams that have uh, birch trees. They'll grow on. White birch, yellow birch, uh, black birch, all, all different birches. Um, and then and what time of the of... year do you go to find these? Because I know when I've gone out to look around for that, I I think they're past their picking time. They're like hard as a rock and impossible to get off the darn tree. So what time of year do you <laughs> suggest? <laughs> so you don't yeah, need a so hammer that's, and that's... a chisel. <laughs> No, you do. You just you need a hammer, uh, really. You to, do. To get them no up. matter what time of year. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So they're, I'm just they're gonna never buy them like a. <laughs> <laughs> they're never just a fresh, soft mushroom. They're always this really hard, really dense uh, mushroom that's almost like yeah, breaking off a piece of stone. Um, yes. And and what I found in working with chaga is that it's a really good. Uh, liver detoxifier and toner. Um, oh, that's important. So both, yeah, very, very important and really good with for any uh, kind of skin diseases. 
So both my mom and I had psoriasis for a really long time. I probably had it for 10 years. And after making chaga tea for myself for two months, my psoriasis was, was completely gone. Oh, and, my goodness. And it really, yeah, and it really hasn't come back uh, since since that, like, two-month um, program with chaga. And that was just tea every day, and uh, it, it cleared up. Yeah, because psoriasis is really an autoimmune condition. So what you're saying is that chaga was able to modulate your immune system so you didn't have a reaction anymore. That. That's really novel. That's really novel. So when yeah. do you go out yep. and harvest the chaga that you use? Is it in the spring, the summer, the fall, or any time of year? I mean, you can go any time, but I like to go in the winter. Um, the leaves are down, which makes it much easier to spot, and there's no other mushrooms to go look for. So I like oh. I like to go look for that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, with reishi, that also grows wild here. I've been told that when it's in a younger state, you can cut off the white of the reishi mushroom and fry it up and eat it or put it in a stew, but that the rest of the mushroom you really have to make a tea out of because there's too much of that fibrous material, and if you try to eat it, even if you cook it, it'll make you sick. So is that true about the reishi? Um, mostly true. Yes, it won't make you sick. Um, it'll just it, it, like you wouldn't want to eat it. You know, be like chewing on a rubber tire or something. Yeah. Okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of our <laughs> mushrooms. It's it's actually amazing. A huge portion of our mushrooms are technically edible. Uh, something like half of all mushrooms are technically edible, but most of them we don't want to eat. You know, it's like they taste weird or they just you'd have to chew them for half an hour to get anything from them. Um, and reishi is such a beautiful mushroom to get to watch develop because it has it that, yeah. that, tr- that transition over the course of a month from this kind of white to a yellow to an orange to deep mahogany red. And it's, it's like you get the sunset in this one mushroom. And that's known as the king of mushrooms, right? Yeah, the king of mushrooms or mushroom of immortality. Um, mm-hmm. The Japanese call it call it manantake, which is the 10,000-year mushroom. Um, so there's been a lot of research and history of use with reishi, uh, particularly in Asia. Really with all of our mushrooms, there's a lot more tradition um, in Asia. Um, and it, it's been used by sages and royalty uh, in China and Japan for a really, really long time. And for me, it's my kind of base mushroom. Um, It's one of the best immunomodulators. So like Mm -hmm. I was mentioning earlier, it's able to uh, support a weak immune system or tone down a hyperactive immune system. So, you know, if you're struggling with allergies, as as you were mentioning earlier, uh, this would be a great, great mushroom to work into your, your repertoire and, and start taking. Um, and a lot of the mushrooms are more kind of a pre- preventative um, approach. They're not necessarily like, oh, I have a cold, I should start taking this. It's kind of like, 
okay, let's build up a uh, stronger, more balanced system over a period of time um, rather than a, a quick quick fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. And so tell us about lion's mane. That's another one that's getting a lot of press lately for the health of the brain. How does that one work? Right, yeah. Lion's mane, there's been a lot of research and, and kind of people excited about it recently um, for things like Alzheimer's and MS and Parkinson's. Um, and research is, is mainly focusing on the ability to regrow the myelin sheath, which is uh, a casing around the neurons in our brain. Um, so a couple of interesting thing is, things is that there's there's compounds in lion's mane. Um, the Latin name is Hericium arenaceus, and there's uh, arenaceum is the one of the molecules that's studied from uh, lion's mane, and it has the ability to cross the blood-brain barrier, which which not a lot of things can do. So not a lot of uh, compounds are kind of allowed past that barrier. And lion's mane has compounds that can cross that. Um, and what they're able to do is, is, like, if you think of your neurons like an electrical wire, right, like a cord from a lamp, we don't see the, we don't see the actual wires. We see the covering of those wires, right, this plastic coating. And that's what your myelin sheath is. It's the coating around the actual uh, wires that send, you know, electric pulses. So the lion's mane helps to regrow um, and, and support that myelin sheath. That's so excellent. Because yeah. That yeah. also is a, a part of the, the ALS problem, the Lou Gehrig's disease, right? And they're saying that people, some people who have taken the vaccine are having problems with that. Their myelin sheathing is being stripped. Yes. So, so this yeah. lion's mane is an, an important healer for that kind of thing. Yeah, really important. And it tastes good too. You can, you can, you can cut that up and and they see it in the store all the time now. You can actually cut it up and stir fry it and with your other vegetables if you want. Yeah, it's a great mushroom to eat. Good to make like faux crab cakes and uh, have have fun with. I think it has a little bit of like a. Um, seafood-like flavor to it and is, is, yeah, really tasty. It's also, I like cooking it with some, like, lemon as well, and it just brings out the flavor really well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, yeah I think it's... Yeah, it sounds good. As, yeah, mm-hmm. as we're looking at a lot of these um, brain diseases, right, there's kind of the, the degradation of the myelin sheath, and there's degradation of neural connections, right? And this is kind of one of the important places that psilocybin comes in, right? So magic mushrooms. And its capacity to actually encourage, allow new neural connections to happen in the brain. Um, So, of course, it's hard because this is a a legal uh, compound right now, right? The, The Compound psilocybin is, is illegal, but it is found in these uh, organic organisms, right? These just organisms that grow around us. 
Um, and the stacking of these two, lion's mane and uh, psilocybin, could be a supercharge for the brain. Right, so this, this supporting new neural connections while also supporting the growth and uh, uh, health of the myelon sheath. Yeah, that's a, a double plus. And, but it, it is becoming legal or decriminalized in certain states, right? Is it Washington State or Colorado? I know a couple of states have taken it out of uh, crime and people are actually able to use it without concern that they're breaking the law. Is it those two states or what two st- I heard two or three states are yeah, offering that now. Oregon. Well, yeah, Oregon is starting the process and then it's mainly municipalities right now. So Oakland oh, and okay. uh, Denver and there's actually four in Massachusetts, four cities that are decriminalized. So they're asking or telling police officers not to, you know, arrest or make charges for it. Um, and it's it's at a really interesting crossroads where there's so much research supporting the medicinal be- benefits of psilocybin, and yet it's scheduled as a highly addictive, no medical value drug, right? So it's it's a very, very interesting time. And you know, things are slow to change in the policy realm, um, but definitely public perception is changing very rapidly, and and eventually the the uh, policy will change as well. I think you're right, because there's really not a lot of good treatment for mental illness, whether it's depression or anxiety or other more serious uh, things, but this has tremendous promise for at least anxiety and depression and there there's a great movie out if you you guys haven't seen it called how to change your mind and it's all about all of these substances whether it's psilocybin or ketamine lsd it goes through a whole long list and they bring forth all these experts to share their research and why this is so important because it truly works so this is not something that you're on for the rest of your life. This is something that makes such a wonderful change that you can benefit from it in a very short period of time, and you don't have to take it all the time. So many of these drugs just have too many side effects, and, of course, we all know the pharmaceutical companies are here to make customers. They're not here to heal anybody. Yeah. So. That's the biggest problem I think that psilocybin is facing because it is actually something that will heal people, and people are giving that uh, those testimonials all the time, saying that they they take these mushrooms in capsule form or whatever, and they are able to uh, control their anxiety or get rid of it, which so yeah. many people are now struck with uh, anxiety and stuck with depression. So so these. These are offering actually natural ways to increase these mm-hmm. new neurons to fire. I mean, it's a wonderful option for people. So, yeah, it shouldn't be illegal anymore. You know, I actually have a client here in Gilbert who's a psychiatrist that has been given, like, permission by the government to start um, a test program using these on her patients. That's wow. So I think wow. it will become more mainstream yes. as time goes on for sure yes yes 
ketamine is already legal. That's already Mm -hmm. legal. You can now go online and pay a lot of money, (laughs) of course, because it's new, and and they will get you set up on a program of ketamine, which does the same kind of thing. But, again, you're talking about medication versus a natural substance. So we're moving in that direction pretty rapidly. Right. And there, it seems like there's a, a very large development, which is really encouraging, of, um, you know, psychedelic therapists and, and people mm-hmm. who are, you know, in, in schools learning how to work with these treatments and, and be with people in a, a supportive way to um, work on, you know, whatever their, their ailments um, is. And, you know, I watched, I watched the psilocybin part of How to Change Your Mind um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago and was so struck by the, there's a, a case study or a person who is talking about their relationship with OCD and had a pretty, you know, severe case of OCD. And after one session with psilocybin, months later had no, clinically didn't have OCD anymore. You know, so, so like you were saying, this was this was this was a one one treatment, one experience. You know, maybe for six hours, and it's having months long, and and I I'm sure it'll have you know years, maybe a lifetime long impact on uh, this this individual with a you know debilitating um, illness. Yeah, and it also has some other potential. I was hearing about. Willie, tell me if this is something you've heard also, that it can help release trauma and also pain. Physical pain? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the the things I've I've just heard, I'm, I'm just getting research on it now, and I heard I was at a Maine mushroom festival in May, and I heard a doctor present on this, was the actual physical changes that can happen with people with autoimmune diseases through mm-hmm. um, through microdosing with psilocybin. And I, I don't quite understand the, um, the process of it, um, but there is really new research looking at uh, the use of small doses of psilocybin and, you know, training... Uh, shifting chronic pain and and autoimmune diseases. That's wonderful. I mean, there's so many people that are hooked on medications because of pain, that they're in real solid pain. And the only way in the past they've been able to manage it is through these addictive substances or substances that, again, are drugs that cause other problems. Because as we all know, these pain medications are highly constipating and they're bad for the gut. So it creates that problem. And so it's it's so important to make these types of treatments with natural substances available. Now, I'm going to ask this question on behalf of PK also. Would this type of mushroom and others be helpful for someone that has um, osteoporosis, you know, where the bones are getting weaker, and fractures are happening. Do mushrooms have an effect on that? Mm-hmm. I you're you're gonna stump me on that one. I'm not I'm not sure what mushroom would 
you'd be looking at for bone health. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. I did. I did want to go back. You know, something that I I think would be interesting to your listeners, and and that I've been kind of wondering with uh, psilocybin and, and magic mushrooms is um, the way that it's kind of tuning us into a different reality, um, and and the that capacity to kind of get out of our habitual thought patterns and our our typical reality. And mm-hmm. how that allows uh, how that allows healing to happen, um, and I think that's that's a very very interesting aspect, uh, kind of new aspect, new frontier um, to explore in in therapy, in uh, psychology, and in in medicinal uh, healing, kind of in our medical system. Yes, because as we all know, we get stuck on the hamster wheel of negative thinking, and it is very hard to stop it. And especially people that have PTSD or have chronic illness, it's very right. difficult to get get out of that cycle. So psilocybin does allow for that. It does make it happen. It does get you, right. it rips you right off that hamster wheel. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is great. Have you seen, have you seen the... the um image of, of, like, your brain normal and your brain on psilocybin? I have not seen that. Now, that's an interesting image to see. What Can you describe it for us? Yeah, it's a, it's fascinating. It's kind of like here's your normal brain wave, right? And there's, you know, seven or eight um, areas of your brain, and there's lines going between different areas, and it's pretty clear. And then it shows next to it... Um, here's your your brain on psilocybin. And there's all these lines to places that weren't connected before. There's tons, there's a lot, a lot more lines, a lot more activity. Um, and this is, I think this is where you kind of can get into the, like, hearing touch or, or like, uh, uh, hearing colors or kind of that cross-sensing. Um, mm-hmm. That can happen while while experiencing a um, mushroom trip, or or being able to, you know, read other people's minds or communicate to like tap into this group thinking. You know, there's there's almost mm-hmm. like there is this this mycelial web between us that somehow these mushrooms allow us to to tune into a little bit deeper. You That's know exciting. what I think. Um, It is exciting, and I think kind of our everyday human mind builds walls around us. So picturing ourselves in the room, right, and we have these walls. So we can see what's in the room. Mm -hmm. We can guess what's on the other side, but we feel kind of blocked. And so my guess is when someone does magic mushrooms, it's like the walls come down, and you can tap into that universal web, um, and that's where the telepathy and the connection with spirit and the other things seem to flow so easy. Yeah, right, right. Well, we all need some of that, and I think... Now, now tell me this, too, Michelle, because I'm wondering, and you're probably thinking the same thing, for people like like (laughs) us that that are uh, relying heavily on our psychic abilities, I would think it could expand that tremendously. Is that what you're thinking, Michelle? I would absolutely think so. 
Yeah, I was yeah. thinking it totally would, and I would think that it would kind of, like I said, you and I are still thinking within the four walls that we live in or whatever, and so right. it seems like something like that um, would at least, you know, and I, this would be my question. Does it continue on after the experience, or would it only do it for those six hours? But my guess is it would actually probably open it up to a higher level continually. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the like, Aldous Huxley doors of perception, where it's like sometimes these compounds can help us open these doors, and and then the doors open, you know. it's I had my first um, magic mushroom experience when I was 16, and it it just, it it changed what I thought was real, or what, like, how I experienced the world, and it's kind of like once you see that or or know it is possible there's kind of this okay that that's a possibility now in my experience mhm and again this is something that you don't have to repeat if you don't want to but it's a natural substance so it's not damaging in any way right yeah there's been no no um overdoses so you can't overdose with psilocybin mushrooms. There's actually people that, so a normal person will take maybe two, maybe three grams of psilocybin um, for a trip. And there's some people that, that work with it that actually will do 28 grams or 50 grams all at once. Wow. And, and which is, you know, I can't imagine what that would, uh, what that experience is like. But there's there's really no evidence or cases of a fatality from overdosing on mushrooms. So it's a very, mm-hmm. very uh, safe mushroom to, to use as long as you, you know, I think it is important to have a um, a guide or a support, someone that can help you um, have some uh, in touch with reality. You know, if there is a kind of like, I don't know, because you can lose a little bit of, of the ground of the sense of what's real and what's not. So it's very helpful to have mm-hmm. someone there that can, you know, be like, okay, let's, this is what's real um, in, in this realm. Um, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, because I've never done any mushrooms like that. Um, so I, I, the only thing I can say is I hear, I've heard people say, oh, I had a bad trip. Is there something you could do to set someone up to not have a bad trip or a bad experience? Like, how do you set the groundwork for that? Yeah, there's there's so much culturally that that can can set it up either way. There's a, a big one which I've struggled with in the past is uh, paranoia around just it being an illegal substance, and I I've worked mm-hmm. with other people where that fear comes up of you know there's something might happen, someone might get me or something like that. But really the most important thing is is being in a a setting that feels safe and feels comfortable and um is familiar and isn't isn't like isn't stuck or too overstimulating. You know, there's a lot of like, let's go to a concert and take mushrooms and um that can be appropriate at a very small dose, but as you get into larger doses, it's, it's 
can become extremely overwhelming to be around so many people and having all these stimuli um, with that kind of experience. So I think if you're in a, um, a, a safe setting and there's, you know, maybe one or two people around that you really trust, um, then you're really setting yourself up for a, a positive experience. And, um, and it's, it's a real journey. You know, you, you go uh, pretty far in a, in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's good to know that you're definitely not saying, oh, try this at home. You're saying the right way to do this is with somebody to guide you through it, make sure you're in the right setting, the right situation, because it's actually laying the groundwork for the journey you're going to take. Yeah, yes, yes. And I think, you know, that's what's nice about seeing, you know, schools training people in this. And I think there is also a very deep um, magic and connection that these mushrooms point to with nature. So some Mm -hmm. of my really most beautiful experiences have been in nature, outside, uh, with one or two friends. Uh, experiencing these mushrooms and really experiencing how alive and connected all these things around us are. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I think the, the connection to nature is something that we we shouldn't let go of either. With this, you know, it doesn't just belong in a um, in like a therapist office. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, I've heard that people can get around uh, selling these by just selling the spores because those aren't regulated. So you can actually grow your own psilocybin, and there are people selling kits online so that you can do that. So, But then you don't know, well, I guess you could find out how to dose with these mushrooms, but those spores are not under federal law, right? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. So... You know, what's illegal is the compound psilocybin. Um, It's not the actual organism that's necessarily illegal. And the spores don't contain any of that um, compound. So, you know, people sell it for uh, quote-unquote microscopy use only. Um, So they're just looking at spores under a microscope, theoretically, Mm -hmm. and not, not, not growing them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the way if you want to cultivate them at home to, to do that. Um, and then in general, it's good to start, you know, I like to just start whenever I grow a batch of mushrooms with, a, you know, maybe half a gram and then do a gram and then do two or three grams and then, you know, five grams would be a very, very strong dose. So you can kind of just slowly work up what you're working with. And you said that it really helped you with paranoia. Well, one of the things that really came up during several of my experiences was paranoia. And maybe this is something that was just in the background for me and and became highlighted or maybe it was just part of the experience of I'm I'm, I'm afraid that... um, they, the powers that be, are are coming to get me or something. Um, mm-hmm. So I I think as 
culturally, as that relaxes a little bit, as there's less uh, stigma and prosecution around use of mushrooms, um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping less people will will need to experience that. Um, yeah, right. And how I I I I find a lot of power right now in uh, microdosing with with psilocybin. So um, I actually do lion's mane and psilocybin typically in the morning, uh, kind of this blend. And there's like this, you know, we were talking about being in a room and it's kind of like the walls come down. Well, when you do a very small amount, it's kind of like that happens. It's like there, you put some holes in the walls, right? So a lot of my problem solving and creativity um, just increases and there's a little bit more resiliency and kind of being like, okay, I'm going to work with this in this way or that way or, um, yeah, kind of new new channels of, of thought are, are accessible. So you can start um, your day with a microdose. You can just start your day with it yeah. And, yeah. and function even better than you would have without yeah. it rather than, uh, yeah, so this is really, it can be a, a whole different experience and use of this with microdosing, exactly. which is great. Right, That's right. Great. It doesn't have to be this like, oh my gosh, I don't know what reality is and I'm, I, I, <laughs> you know, I need to just be alone <laughs> or with one person. It's like can, you can completely function and, you know, be, be where you are. And, you know, I've, I've worked with two people, one who um, has been suffering from depression for a really long time uh, who's microdosing and just really experiencing a lot of benefits from, you know, a, uh, a third or a half of a gram in the morning and just being able to relate to the world in a completely new way. Um, so it's this, yeah, creativity and then kind of access of joy uh, into life, which is just so, so important and nice to have, you know, um, allies that you can work with sometimes to to help bring that in. Yeah, that's tremendous. Now, we do have somebody on the line that's going to talk to us about his experience, so let me get him live with us. And this is uh, Richard. Let me just bring his mic on. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Good evening. And can you hear me okay? Yeah. Crystal clear. So tell, tell us about your experience with all of this, because you're quite experienced. I'd love, I would love to, but first I have some really good news. I was refreshing some of my research early on, just the nutrition of mushrooms, and uh, just to embellish a little bit on how mushrooms can help in everyday health and things like osteoporosis, um, I'm going to defer safely to PubMed, so I would direct you all, especially the listeners, to PubMed. There's an ocean of great supportive research on how healing and helpful mushrooms can be. And um, I looked up just oyster mushrooms because I seem to recall that they were helpful for bone growth. And they've been Mm -hmm. studied extensively around the world uh, for bone formation. And they also reduce bone resorption or bone loss. Why? Mm -hmm. It's got vitamin D, copper, zinc, selenium, and all kinds of other good stuff. So to your earlier points, you know, cook them up in the kitchen as often as you can. They're healthy for so many reasons. 
Um, but to get to the nut and expand on what Willie was saying, yeah, um, I was in a rough spot just over a year ago uh, with throat cancer, and then I had some tricky things going on from a neuromuscular standpoint that the doctors couldn't figure out. It was tightness in the, the neck and the shoulders and weird muscles. Um, and despite that, you know, mentally I was in pretty good shape. I was having uh, some productivity issues, but um, lion's mane and psilocybin basically rocked my world. I, I'm going to be in my early 60s this year, but the rejuvenation of my nervous system, the improvement in lucidity, clarity, and even a bump in my problem-solving skills is, was, was apparent just after a few days. And, you know, unlike drinking a pot of coffee or medications, it's just very even and centered focus. Uh, it's hard to explain. I think Willie touched on it, but in short, it's, it's amazing, and it's almost hard to believe, and that's why I'm careful to talk about it. And I think but for those listeners that know, I think you do have to be careful about making claims because it's almost too good to be true. So that's why I would push people back to, the safer way of talking about it is through the science. And there's a surprising amount of studies out there already that will help people better understand and appreciate these God-given things. It's just, it's all good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so it sounds like you've had tremendous benefits from just the microdosing and combine that with lion's mane. Now, with lion's mane, so you do this first thing in the morning. Do you take a capsule of lion's mane? Yeah, luckily, um, yeah, luckily, um, I rely heavily on multiple sources. So, thank God for the internet. I found a lot of information just on online, and though people might be rolling their eyes, the anecdotal research is overwhelming, and there's tons of information about microdosing. So, to answer your question, Patricia, um, 100 to 200 milligrams is basically well established as a baseline. And there's different frequencies, like some people will do three days on, two days off, that kind of thing. Uh, and then people take a break after a certain amount of time, either two months or three months, even though, to Willie's earlier point, there's no not known toxicity. This, it doesn't stay in your system, so there's no issues with that. It's really just a safe measure to take a break after whatever that period, that magic time is, one or two months or three months for that person. Right, right. Well, that's so good to know. Thank you so much for calling in and for sharing your experience with us and for answering the question for PK about the oyster mushrooms for osteoporosis. Yeah, that's can, I a, squeeze in a couple, can I squeeze in another yes. question for Willie? Um, Go ahead. I have to, I have to confess, um, it's a little bit overwhelming to look at all the mushroom products or things that are productized for us for for convenient use. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about um, a claim that's made, which is pretty, it seems pretty bold, but it's the beta-glucan uh, um, ingredient, and its concentration seems to be higher in his products than most others. So how does he do that? How does he make the claim, and how does he pre-select to make sure that that, um, that is the case? And forgive the obvious question, and I'm answering this um, in you know, the days ahead. Why does that concentration matter? Why did he point that out in the product descriptions? 
Yeah, so there's a really interesting kind of debate happening in the medicinal mushroom uh, field right now, and that is whether to use mushroom fruiting bodies or uh, mycelium grown on grain. So there's kind of two camps. One is uh, growing mycelium on grain, which is exactly what it sounds like if you've ever had tempeh or um, seen tempeh. Essentially, what, what the process is, is you grow out the mushroom mycelium, and this could be any, basically any mushroom, uh, cordyceps, lion's mane, reishi, chaga, um, and then you take that and extract it. Now, the, the, and this is also called solid state fermentation. So I've seen some companies say they ferment their mushrooms which is a, a odd thing to say. It's it's not like a, a making sauerkraut or something. It's just a it's like making tempeh. It's like growing growing mycelium on grain. And the the problem with this is that when you, mycelium uh, needs to grow inside of its food source. So it's kind of like when you make tea, you can't separate tea from water, right? The water becomes the tea. And it's the same thing with growing mycelium. Uh, the, you can't separate the grain and the mycelium. The mycelium becomes the grain. They become intertwined and inseparable. So when you're extracting that product, you're extracting both the grain and the mycelium. And the question is, how much of that grain has become mycelium? Right? What, what portion is actually uh, genetic uh, fungal material? Um, and one of the ways that we've, we've looked at doing this and there's been researched on is by measuring, uh, beta glucans, right? And, and beta glucans are kind of a marker of, uh, mushroom material. And what we find in mycelial based, uh, products, mycelium grown on grain, the beta glucan content is around two to 5%, um, pretty, very, very low. And uh, even Paul Stamen says that in in those sorts of products, it can be 50 to 70 percent grain that's still left uh, at the extraction time. So that's a that that what that means is that you're paying a lot of money for brown rice, right? An extract of brown rice. And what we do is we use only fruiting bodies, only the actual mushroom, um, and we extract that mushroom in hot water and have beta-glucan content up in the 30s, so 30%, 40%. Even with our reishi, I believe it's in the 50s. It's like 52% beta-glucan content. So you know you're getting a 100% uh, fungal material, which to me is one of the most important things, right? Just this, okay, I'm buying mushrooms. What I want is mushrooms, right? So you know it's all mushroom material, and it's it's tested for, you know, the compounds that have the most research uh, behind them. So as I was getting into um, medicinal mushroom products, that was something that was very clear for me and, and felt important was to uh, use the mushroom fruiting body and not uh, mycelium on grain. Wow. Thank you for answering my question. Yeah, Richard, yeah. I'm curious how you how you got into mushrooms, what kind of inspired you into working with them or opened you up to working with them, you know, 
I think a lot of people are, like I think Michelle was saying, a little hesitant to start working with psilocybin and from stories or just, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what inspired that for you? Oh, my gosh, that's a loaded question. You have two hours? <laughs> Um, basically, um, my life has been a journey as with many people, but it was going through different diseases. And, um, in this case, the loss of a loved one that I felt, uh, thank God for my third eye, my intuition sort of led me towards nature. Um, and that started a whole nother, uh, phase where I was using my left and right brain to do research on what's going to help me heal, what's going to help me help others heal. And then it wasn't really until a few years ago that the the louder message was the more intensive journeys that can um, be brought about through magic mushrooms. But for, for right now, I found what I need through the microdosing and again, you know, I sound like a broken record, but what I found already has been so life-changing and life-improving. Um, I'm just so amazed and grateful to um, the, the bigger things that have opened up for me in, in my life. And, and really just going back to gratitude and thanking the Creator for everything that He's given me. So. I don't know if I answered your question directly, but it's opened up and changed my my life in a very, very beneficial way. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you very much, Richard, for your questions and also your answers. So it's, um, again, it's something that needs to be legalized, decriminalized, uh, something that we should be able to get and use uh, again, with yeah. with help from knowledgeable people like you, Willie, and it's it's just time, I think, for people to stop being afraid of it, and especially to to make it accessible. Now, let's talk a little bit about what you offer, because you have an online store where people can go and purchase your products, which we know are top of the line. I mean, Richard brought that out. It's mm-hmm. um, your products are, are very much top-of-the-line products. So tell us what we yeah. can find and what we can purchase on your website. Yeah, so I started out as a mushroom grower. Um, so I, I am really supportive of other people wanting to grow mushrooms and making that easy for them. Um, so we have grow kits, which are kind of just put them on your countertop and you can grow all different types of mushrooms, oysters, shiitakes, lion's mane, reishi, um, and just get to watch them grow and then harvest and cook them up. Um, And then I sell extracts. So those are the uh, hot water extracts of fruiting bodies um, that are in powder form. So in powder or in in capsule form. and uh, and then I also do classes. So I, I offer um, six-week classes, three-week classes, a, a year-long mushroom apprenticeship uh, for people that really want to dive deeper into what mushrooms are and how we can work with them and, and want to kind of bring them into their life, um, which which has really been, been my mission for the last decade. And 
it's really amazing to see. You know, I I think everyone should just be growing shiitake mushrooms in their backyard on logs. It's such a easy thing to do and and creates real abundance. Um, and doesn't take up a lot of space, you know, in the in the garden. Uh, mushrooms occupy the realm of decomposition and, and shady spots. So it's usually places that plants uh, don't get big and abundant and showy. And so nice to have your mushrooms uh, there. Um, but anyways, I, I did want to mention that I'm offering a, a discount for listeners um, of a buy one, get one free for our grow kits and our extracts um, if if they're interested in, in starting a relationship with uh, mushrooms. It's a great, great deal that you're offering. I know I purchased the kit a long time ago, and I had so much fun growing shiitake mushrooms. It was a blast. So I highly recommend it. I mean, we think about our gardens and growing tomatoes and cucumbers and things like that. But, yeah, I think everybody should be growing mushrooms, too, because they're so powerful. They're so healing. There's so many things you can do with them, and, and they do help you to feel better. So it would be great. And so here's everybody's opportunity to do a buy one, get one. You can get two kits for the price of one. And you can also try yep. out some of the extracts that Willie makes that we know are, are just top-notch. And you can also get so you're basically getting one for free. And they yep. uh, to go to your website, you're just going to go to Fungi Ally, and that's F-U-N-G-I-A-L-L-Y.com. And you can place yeah. your order there. And <clears throat> will you ship from Massachusetts? So mm-hmm. how do you ship yep. these things? Do you ship them UPS or regular post office? How do you ship these things to keep them intact? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, whichever one is, is cheaper, it can get expensive with grow kits because um, they weigh a lot. But usually UPS is is how we ship in two-day. Um, particularly in the summer, you know, it's, we're working with a living organism. So it can um it can get um hard in the in the summer because things get get hot um so we ship today to make sure it gets there soon and um and alive you know if we ever, if it was like four or five days just in a ninety degree truck things don't do yeah. the best yeah that's not good <laughs> yeah. yeah especially yeah. headed to arizona right from where it's a hundred and twenty uh-huh. That's yeah. right. Oh, so, God. And you make the capsules and the powders, is that correct? So people can order either of those if they're looking at the extracts? Yep, the capsules. Uh, so that's just, you know, a capsule you can take. Uh, we recommend two um, a day or the powder, which you can kind of put as much as you, you want in into a smoothie or other um, beverage or Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, and I've tried some of these, not not yours yet, but I'm going to try yours. I'm going to put in an order tonight. But I have tried Lion's Mane and things like that in coffee, and it doesn't taste bad at all. I was really surprised because I thought it would have a real mushroomy taste, and it had only a, a just a hint of that. It really tasted yeah. good. Yeah, you know, and it's not it's not like a huge amount that you you're putting in, so it's just a little scoop of, you know, powder and it's it's not a 
like a mushroom blast flavor, um, which which I think is good. Um, sometimes I'll just do like a little bit of water with the powder, and then it's a it's it's more bitter medicine. Um, but in a whole drink, it's it, you really can't taste it. Right. Now you what, also teach people how to forage for mushrooms too. Yeah, that's one of the things I I just love about mushrooms, and it's it's so interesting that there's, you know, there's um, something like a hundred and fifty thousand species of mushrooms, estimated species of mushrooms, and we've identified about twenty thousand. So something like twelve percent of all mushroom species we've identified, and um, there's a lot of those that we can't cultivate. We don't know how to grow them, how to fruit them. Um, we can only go out into the wild and, and harvest them. And it's really, I, I find that to be such a powerful experience. And um, this, this like tuning into a different network and, and wondering where they are, going through the woods, picking mushrooms is a fantastic experience. Um, I always recommend people start with five or six mushrooms that are pretty safe to eat and that they can know um, and then kind of expand out from there. Yeah, because you can get really, like, deathly ill if you eat the wrong mm-hmm. mushroom. Yes, yep. Yeah, we have a couple of deadly mushrooms. I, I want to say all mushrooms are safe to touch, right? So you can touch any mushroom. You can even, and I have tested this, you can put any mushroom in your mouth um, chew it, taste it, as long as you spit it out. Um, but there, there are definitely a couple of deadly poisonous mushrooms in Massachusetts, in the Northeast, um, that are very unpleasant uh, ways to go. So it is really important to identify and, and know what you're eating. Yeah, what yeah, about definitely. In uh, Arizona, the mushroom element here, is there something that would be helpful to growing them here? I mean, water would be the biggest thing in, in Arizona. Yeah. It's, it's so hard when, when things are, are very, very dry. Um, right. A lot, of what you see out, yeah, a lot of what you see out there are more shelf fungi. So you don't get as many as, mm-hmm. of the fleshy fungi. They're more kind of like growing on dead branches and... Um, uh, things like that. So like a, a turkey tail, which which is a mushroom that we haven't touched on tonight, but is really, really potent. And there's been a lot of research looking at its role in, um, uh, in relationship with cancer. Um, and that's a, a polypore mushroom that grows on a branch, right? So it's kind of more of those like tough woody mushrooms that you see out in, in Arizona. Mhm. Interesting. There was a, a a lady here from Poland who really knew her stuff like you do with mushrooms. And I wish she was still alive because I would have loved to have gone on a mushroom walk with her, but <laughs> she did take on a student here um a young guy and she said, you know, normally when I go and I teach People will will do a whole bunch of mushrooms at one time, but you you're not so smart. 
So we're going to do one at a time with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's a really, that's a great approach when when we're finding something new. Because it is, there is a whole kind of lens of how you look at a mushroom, right? So what color is it? What uh, shape is it? Does it have gills? Does it have pores? Does it have a stem? What's it growing out of? There's kind of all of these features. And it's really fun. This is one of the first things I do in my workshops is I give everyone a mushroom and just mm-hmm. tell them to explore it and, and find out wherever they can through all their different senses about this mushroom. Um, and and it's it's really, you know, it's new for people to actually look at a mushroom and, and describe it and wonder about it. Yeah, now... There are some mushrooms I've seen around here that are actually like fluorescent. They're like a really brilliant purple or lavender. Those I've been told are the ones that you have to stay away from. That they could—they're the poisonous ones. Is that accurate? Um, there's some. Some are that are mildly poisonous in the Cortinarius genus. Um, Violet Court is one of the really, really beautiful purple mushrooms. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd say the the one that is most dangerous and has the most uh, poisonings with is Amanita verosa or the Destroying Angel, and it's Ooh. a absolutely beautiful mushroom. It is so beautiful. It's it's a brilliant white. It's all white. Um, large mushroom. It grows typically out of rotting wood, um, and it has what's called a uh, a, um, a partial veil on the stem, and grows out of kind of this like egg-shaped sac uh, at the bottom. So, you know, an all-white uh, gilled mushroom growing out of wood. It might be very, very beautiful, but it's that's an important one to um, avoid. And how do they kill you? Is it that it destroys your liver? Is that what it does? Because I've seen some yeah, stories this, on people yeah, this who one, had that happen. Yeah, exactly. This one, the Destroying Angel, it's, uh, you get very sick for a day, you know, vomiting and diarrhea and um, uh, stomach upset. And then you get better. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, I'm I'm, I'm better. And uh, for the next day or two, you feel better. And during that time, the toxins recirculating in your liver and um, uh, shutting your liver down. Um, oh. And then, you know, two or three days later, uh, that's that's it. So, wow, you're gone after it, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. Um, now, what about so is it Amanita? Amanita muscaria, that's the one that's red with the white polka dots. Is that the right name yes, for it? Yes, red or yellow with the polka dots. Yeah, and, and this is our, uh, this is where we get our, our Santa Claus myth. Our story oh. of Santa Claus is actually, is actually this mushroom and their relationship in Serbia with this mushroom. Huh. Um, so it's, a, it's, an, it's another... Uh, psychedelic or, or magic mushroom that uh, shamans have used for a very long time in uh, Serbia. And it typically grows under, uh, or Siberia, um, and it typically grows under 
uh, pine trees. Right? So it's like these oh. gifts that grow underneath a conifer tree. Um, mm. And one of the ways that that people uh, consume it is actually reindeer love this mushroom and they'll go out and look for it and eat it and then they'll actually pee and when they pee they they take away some of the harder toxins on the stomach um, but the psychoactive compound is still in there and so other reindeer will go around and uh, lick up the pee of the other reindeer until you have all <laughs> these high reindeer oh. and maybe flying, <laughs> flying reindeer. I'm going to shoot Santa Claus. Forget it. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Now, now some of the, the mushrooms, I think what makes them so so deadly is the fact that they, some of them look like the ones that are okay to eat. So it's very difficult to tell them apart. So, so you really have to know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing with the destroying angel is it looks like a mushroom that's common in South Asia called paddy straw. Mm-hmm. And um there's there's people it it doesn't grow over in Southeast Asia. So sometimes people come here and then confuse the the two of them. Um but it that's why it's kind of important to just learn the anatomical features of mushrooms when you're kind of starting out foraging. So you can actually tell the difference between between the mushrooms. Um, but you take a mushroom like chicken of the woods, which is just a fantastic mushroom, fruits around now throughout uh, the whole East Coast. And it's a bright orange mushroom with a yellow underside um, that is very hard to confuse with anything else. Um, yeah, and it fruits very abundantly. It fruits really abundantly, and and we don't know how to cultivate that mushroom at all. So you can only oh. get it through foraging. Um, so it's mushrooms like those that are really good to start with, where it's like you know there's just nothing that is going to look like this, and it's really really tasty. Um, you can't get it anywhere else than in the woods. So you know, go out and look for that one. And reishi too, right? They don't have an imitator that is deadly, do they? Right. Nope. Nope. So reishi, both of these are growing are what's called shelf mushrooms. So they're polypores mm-hmm. that are growing out of a tree, kind of like a shelf on the tree. Um, and yeah, reishi similar. It's fruiting in June mostly, and then you can harvest it in July as well. Um, doesn't really have uh, lookalikes, so it's a pretty pretty safe mushroom to go out and, and forage. Yeah, it's it's great. I wish I had your expertise. There's so many mushrooms that grow wild here, but I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable <laughs> picking them and working with them unless it was a reishi. Reishi, I know what that looks like, so that was okay. Yeah. And then there are those puffball mushrooms. Those are, yeah. I've eaten before. Yeah. Those are great. Um, and some yeah. of them get really big too. Yeah, I heard that the largest puffball they've 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 seen it was like 1800s in New York, and from far mm-hmm. away they thought it was a sheep. Oh my god! This, this puffball is so big. Is that a sheep over there? It is. Nope, it was a it was a mushroom. Oh my goodness, that is so funny. Jeez, 
Yeah. Well, that's the giant this is... puffball, and and as long as it's white on the inside, it's a uh, it's a great mushroom to eat. Kind of like tofu sort of thing. Marinades great, and mm-hmm. yeah. And what about oh. is there is that have an imitator also that's dangerous or not? No, no, it's just important as long as the inside is white, um, mm-hmm. it hasn't you know gone black or something, um, then it's it's good to eat. And you know if it has gone black, I like to just kick it around. Um, you know, some people say, oh, leave it alone, leave it alone, but you're really <laughs> helping it spread the spores. So yeah, you can, you can right. have yes, you can have some fun and kick it around and throw it around the yard and. Maybe you'll inspire some some mushroom babies. Yeah, yeah. I noticed there were a lot of them that grew around here when I was dumping some uh, wood ashes, and in a spot, one spot on the lawn, and and I noticed that these mushrooms popped up, the puffballs. Mm. So do mm. they like? They must oh. like that then. They must like the ash, ashy wood. Yeah, mm. I'm not sure. It might. I see them. A lot in lawns, um, mm-hmm. and there might have been something in in changing the pH by adding uh, wood ash that inspired them to fruit. It's such a mystery yeah. why mushrooms fruit. It's that's it's so so interesting and, and a radical transformation uh, to see them go from mycelium to a mushroom fruiting body, and you can actually take a little piece of the mushroom fruiting body and put it on a petri plate and it becomes mycelium again. Oh my. Oh, oh. So the the and you could do that with like a, a mushroom in the grocery store, like an oyster mushroom or something. It can just revert back to being uh mycelium. That's incredible. Well, there's a real intelligence about all of them. And like you're saying, we've only identified a small percentage of what's here. And we still don't understand, I'm sure, a lot about how they communicate. There's so much to learn from them. Yes, yes, so much to learn. And it's so exciting to see there's so many applications across disciplines. You know, you're seeing them as... uh, as like leather replacement and as packaging replacement and in microremediation and in building supplies and it's just like this world of fungi is really uh, starting to 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 unlock bit by bit and um, I'm excited to see where it where it continues to go. You know, twelve ten years ago when I started, you know, it was very very different. Uh, so just in the last decade, there's been a a big explosion around um, knowledge and excitement of, about mushrooms. Hmm. Certainly gives us a now different you, look when we're looking. Say, say that again, PK. I think I missed what you said. I, I think it gives us a total different look when we're looking at a mushroom. We've just taken oh, yeah. it for granted. We store whatever, but don't think about all the aspects that come from it. It's incredible. Yeah, really. I was something to go with for a mushroom soup, but I never thought about all the other aspects that we talked about tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been so helpful, Willie. This has been really inspiring for all of us mm-hmm. tonight that have been listening. This is this is great stuff, and 
I wanted to ask you also, do you sell mushrooms, like by the pound? Like if I wanted to buy some morels, my favorite, do you sell mushrooms like that? I don't anymore. Um, so I, was, I shifted to just uh, e-commerce business back in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. Just managing a production mushroom farm was uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, now I just grow for myself and maybe some friends every now and again when I have extra. Um, yeah. You well, just acquired hey, but you can you know that but you you can get a growth <laughs> yeah, really. grow some yourself. I can grow can I grow morels? You can't grow morels. There's there's some people trying. They they have successfully grown morels in cultivation, but they're technically a different species. So oh, they're not right. gonna taste the same and um that's really probably my biggest like my next mushroom adventure, I would love to go to the West Coast and um, harvest morels because they yeah. they fruit the the year after a wildfire. Um, oh. I love to, and they fruit very very abundantly. It's like you could get hundreds in, you know, of really like the size of a room. You could get hundreds of morels. Oh my god, uh, that's great. So that's where, that's, yeah, that's where most of the morels come from. I'll be darned. Well, Willie, Maybe thank I'll you so Willie much. Unfortunately, we're yeah, we're running out of time, but it's been great having you here. And everybody, you can go to Fungi Ally, that's F-U-N-G-I-A-L-L-Y dot com, and use the code, which is Heroic Dose. I'll put it on the Facebook page tomorrow, so you can just click on the site and go there with your code and get buy one, get one. So, again, we've had a great show, everybody. We'll be back next week with another one. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.